Welcome back. Welcome in to Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. I am Mike Casaza, one hand on the mixer here and one hand on my cell phone. Chris Anderson, I've taken too many blindside hits on our site from my Robin Hood exploits and bad investment idea <laughs> that I own up to, believed in Hurts when no one else did, and perhaps everybody was right and I was wrong. I want to take a victory lap today, if that's all right with you. Go for it. We, I'm going to save we... the world. I'm saving the world. I've invested in the company that received in excess of a billion dollars today to uh, go forward with a vaccine for Operation Warp Speed. Is that the name of this thing that the government is in? I thought it was an onion headline at first, but no, <laughs> it's true. It's true not only that it's called Warp Speed, but also that I've invested in the right stock. I have a limit order placed on my holdings right now, and if it goes off, I'm going to stop the podcast. Maybe quit. I don't know. But certainly celebrate in the middle of it. Are you ready for that? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not ready for that at all. I don't know if I can handle handle the uh, celebration from you. No, it would be excessive. There would be flags everywhere. There would be new rules in the book. Texas would be very offended. I'll try to mind my P's and Q's. Plenty to discuss here today. Um, player acquisitions in maybe multiple sports. Cloudy future for, well, let's just say sports in general, but also a certain demographic of student-athletes. We're back in the F1 visa conversation. I thought we left that behind last summer when Oscar Shibway traveled to Spain. Not at all. Should we start here? This seems to be like the top-of-mind issue right now because we're so deep down the rabbit hole when it comes to um, – COVID-19, are we going to have a season, are we going to have non-conference games that we get fresh meat and all of a sudden everybody wants to take a bite out of this, but this does seem important, does it not? Yeah, uh, like you said, not just for basketball, but football, uh, every, nearly every sport for almost every college. I feel like this, this impact, the impact of this rule, if enforced the way they are saying they're going to enforce it, would literally impact almost every college in the country uh, in some form or another. Uh, we talked about it right before we got on here about how West Virginia might have these type of F1 visa students and student athletes across a, a dozen or so sports right now. And, and not, not to mention, uh, you know, not going to sound wrong, but regular students, not athletes, just students as well. So this is a major impact and, and focusing on the sports world uh, really has a big impact on all the sports and at West Virginia. Just to review quickly, um, on Monday night, the government announced new-ish rules that basically say if a student in America who's an international student, a non-immigrant, that's important, is attending schools on an F-1 or an M-1 visa, which are pretty common if you're going to be coming from a foreign country and being a full-time student in the States, if you are doing that and you are not taking online or in-person classes, if your university is online only, you have to leave the country. They're not going to renew um, or issue you a visa. So basically, if you go to a school and they say, listen, not safe to have the student body on here, not safe for you to be here. So rather than have you in the classroom for whatever you're studying, we're going to move it all online. That person's in peril. That person may have to go home, which 
it's it's crazy that you would make people travel right now when a lot of countries aren't taking people from the U.S. because of the situation uh, with the virus and all that. Um, and you would make them leave for a decision that's not theirs. It's not like if you went to Harvard um, because you wanted to have an easy course load. You went to Harvard because you wanted to benefit from the curriculum. And all of a sudden, if Harvard says we're going online only. Well, you're going to make that student leave the country. It's hard. It's difficult to imagine. It'll probably get challenges. Could be dragged out for a long, long time. The implication is that for sports, which is kind of where we're dipping our toes in here, student athletes, um, they come from all over the world to play college basketball, to play college football, to run track, to shoot a rifle, to be a star in their sport because they have an opportunity here that they may not otherwise have where they're from. Um, let's just stick with West Virginia. Top of the mind people are Oscar Shibway. We've talked plenty in football about Jaido Favoris, Edward Vesterinen, guys who are going to be on this team next year. If you look at some of the best performers in other sports you got conference champions national champions point winners and major meets and events for golf for rifle for track and field for cross country for women's soccer for men's soccer every roster has somebody that could potentially be affected by this if west virginia goes online full-time that's not currently the situation right now they're going to be in person um, somewhat of a hybrid model. There'd be some in person, some half and half, some online only, but it's not an online only thing. So technically, it's not really a concern. So let's just stop right here. Um, from what you know about this situation, you've communicated with Brandon Collier, who we've talked about. He is the the guru for the PPI recruiting. Is that correct? Pro? Yes. What's, what's the PPI stand for? Uh, I guess I should probably look that up and, and figure that out. Get some more. Well, data, you know get some more dead That's air. That's the most here. important thing. Yeah, let me fill for a second here. I'll, I'll talk slowly and I'll space things out a little bit. But anyways, you contacted him to figure out, okay, you're well-versed in this area of bringing people from Europe to America to get scholarships and play college football. This could affect them. West Virginia has some players. Obviously, he knows why you're calling contacting him. What, what does he think or what does he know or does he know anything? And is he merely going on what he thinks right now? Well, so I asked him, I asked him first and foremost, uh, because when we're talking about these visas, the main ones that we're looking at are the F1 visas. And he confirmed that uh, a lot of these players, he didn't uh, specifically, I, I, I obviously mentioned uh, Jairo and Edward to him by name. Uh, he did not respond by name to those guys, but talking in general about the group that he works with and guys that he sends or brings over here to the to America, that many of them are on F-1 visas, uh, which is the main thing discussed about in that government ruling. And But when I asked him, you know, do you know how this affects them? Will this affect them? Will this keep them from coming over here? He told me at this time, he's not sure. Like it, So it seems like this is, you, you know, like you said, it came out Monday night. I asked him about this on Tuesday. And, and his, it wasn't clear to him just how big of an impact this will have on those players and if it'll keep them from coming. And obviously... These are two different players from two different countries talking specifically about Jairo and Edward Vesterinen. And one's already here. Uh, Jairo or was here, got here in January. Vesterinen was not supposed to be here until August. So their situations are different. They're coming from different places again, different times. So it's unclear if they'll be kind of be lumped into the same group or if uh, Favris will get to stay or not. PPI stands for. Don't look at me. I couldn't find it. 
It doesn't exist. It's just PPI. It's yeah. Like PPI recruits, parentheses, PPI. Yeah. So we didn't know the answer because technically there isn't an answer. So somebody out there is listening to this right now and is going, well, actually, and they're going to fire off a harsh tweet or private message to me. Well, I will will actually this conversation if you don't mind, Chris. Go for it. This is not necessarily new. Um, the folks that I talked to Tuesday kind of clued me into this and said that this is already on the books. It's not the same language, and it's certainly not getting the same attention in the past as it has now. But for someone to have an F1 or an M1 visa to be an international student in America under those parameters, you can only take one online course a year. Why that's the rule, who knows? It could be just for um, the legitimacy of that student's interest in education and maybe an athletic pursuit, whatever. But they don't want a person coming over and just taking advantage of free or easy rides. Again, that doesn't apply to Harvard necessarily, but maybe there's certain avenues where somebody can come over and just get to stay in the U.S. because they're taking advantage of online curriculum. That is demeaning to online curriculum, if you ask me, from someone who's uh, taken it, administered it, studied it, learned a lot about it, but I'm sure there are places where it can be taken advantage of. But previously, you would not get issued a renewed visa if you exceeded the number of courses. So at West Virginia, for example, part of their academic support is making sure that, listen, you can take one. If you do, make sure it's maybe a three-hour course. Don't waste like a one-hour course or a two-hour course on it. But also, don't take two courses because then you're in trouble. So they make sure that, you know, whatever the threshold is for the number of hours you have to take to maintain your visa. Um, but also, don't go over that limit for what you can do. What happened was when things went haywire in March there was a waiver pretty much that said, listen, we can't do anything about this. We can't have people traveling around the globe right now. It would be uh, unfair to uproot everybody and say, got to go home because of the rule. And they kind of issued like a, a waiver, so to speak, that says, um, you know, hey, we understand what the situation is. We'll modify it for the time being. You can, um, if, you're, if your university goes from in-person to online and you have to take courses online, you know, some semesters are different how they administer semesters, quarters, whatever. Excuse me, some universities are different how they do that. So it might have affected some students, and they said, it's okay. This appears to be just saying, listen, for um, the fall semester, we're not doing that because the rule was the rule. The rule will be the rule. So if you are in a university that is going online only, this is going to apply to you. The implication there is that it could be tough to challenge this. This will probably end up in court. I'm not going to go down the whole political theater thing or litigation or anything like that, but it could end up in court. I think a lot of the stuff I've read and the people I talked to suggest that um, it may not be anything to worry about either because universities could come together and say, let's find a way to juke the system and just do hybrids. But it's not necessarily new. It's just getting new attention because we are starting to see some universities, some notable universities announce their plans that do include online-only instruction. Here's where things get very tricky and... We have to pay attention to how this works and how this is interpreted. Um, one of the issues right now is the definition of when they change their classes. So currently, West Virginia is supposed to be uh, in-person with different options, but in-person, and then fall break, and then online only after fall break. However, one of the paragraphs in this ICE order says that basically, um, if your university has to change and go to online-only classes during the semester, well, tough. You are going to be held under this provision. So if you go to West Virginia, and on October 1st, they say, listen, pausing, coming back online-only, um, guess what? 
this is going to apply to you and your F1 or your M1 may not be issued or renewed. You could be sent back home. Um, that's where things get tricky because one, if West Virginia does change, if something happens and they have to go online only earlier, it could apply. But also, this is gray area I have not been able to figure out yet. And I've asked, is West Virginia actually going to online only classes at the end of the semester? They are. Is that a plan? Is that what they call, quote, required to? Um, is that applicable or is that separate? Don't know yet, but you can see some concern here for people who don't know because this is so early and is somewhat nondescript, but West Virginia is technically going to online only classes at the end of the semester. You can read this two different ways. You can certainly see the curiosity or concern, right? Yeah, and I think the, the strangest part of this to me is because this is not a new rule. Like, like you said, this is not new. This has been around for a while. It's just never really been an issue because obviously colleges are in person for the, or have been. Obviously, they have some online courses, but for the most part, they are in-person classes. Yet, here we are with this coming up, and no one from any kind of side of this seems to have answers on what's going to happen or how it might affect these players or if they will be affected at all. Because uh, like you said, we've been reaching out to people all day uh, from all different angles of this, from the player sides, from the international community, to the university, to the NCAA, to lawyers. And the answer is, oh, I don't know. And that's, that's not good. That doesn't make me feel comfortable about the situation. It makes me a little concerned. Um, although I, I, it, hopefully, hopefully maybe this is me, uh, clinging to too much hope for the year 2020, but hopefully when there's that much doubt, that much confusion, uh, people will err on the side of, uh, kind of letting everything work its way out, especially given the extenuating circumstances here. But, the, the strong wording and the, the the feeling of the need to kind of put this out there again this week by the government um, does not make me think that might, that will happen. So just to review, um, it was in place before. You have to have in-residence requirements. You can only exceed that threshold by an online class. Um, I think it's one class. And that was the thing. But because there was an exception before, they pretty much said not the case now. So that's very black and white, cut and dry, easy to tell. The, the curious part here is, you know, what I mean, how do you define what's online only? Because I think that the government's going to be smart and realize that there might be some collusion involved to get around their parameters. You might also have situations where, you know, if you have to go to an online class, that's really hard to hold that against students who started the semester in in-person classes. And although also people who did not come here to take online classes, who came here to take in-person classes at higher education places. So that's really important too. Um, and then either... It's going to either you have to transfer to another place where you can do in-person classes, you drop out, but you lose your student visa, so that jeopardizes your situation. So there's a whole bunch of side effects there. Um, it opens up a ton of gray area. I think everybody ex expects it's going to be challenged. People forget this, too. A lot of international students, I would say the majority, do not get financial aid. They pour in full tuition into universities. So who's going to be upset about this? Universities. They're going to lose significant amounts of income that, in turn, allows them to grant scholarships or financial aid to students in the states who can come and keep the you know enrollment flowing and admission flowing so you're really threatened to throw the whole thing out of whack right now if you don't do that um and again how do you make people travel right now because they say you can go home you can go to harvard online you just can't do it in the u.s um there are parts of the country where you 
can't get great internet access. There are parts of the world where you can't get great internet access. So if you send somebody home to wherever they're from and they don't have good internet access, they're not going to be the best Harvard student right now. So that's hard. They might not be able to do live, edu- uh, live in-person classes because of a time difference. If you go to China, they don't have G Suite resources, which is a huge part of the education system in America. Um, it's how they communicate and structure classes and all that stuff. You can't get Google in China. That's going to be hard to do. So there's a whole bunch of, of hurdles here and obstacles. But the thing that I think people are caught up on is that this seems like something punitive, mean, unnecessary, but it was the rule. It's, just, it's getting more attention right now, and I had to figure out a way around it. Um, implications. Let's not single anybody out, but if you have a very good basketball player who is certainly an NBA talent, and if he finds out that his university is going online only, or that a latter part of the semester that is planned to be online only actually counts as an online only curriculum, um, what will he do? Uh, folks I've talked to said that, you know the answer. Ask yourself, what would you do? Why would you go home if your future is playing basketball in the U.S.? And you can't stick around as a student, so what would you do? You'd probably just drop out and focus on training for the NBA. Um, crazy situation, but like there are a handful of players who will get this in their head. Like They're going to have to start thinking, wait a second, I go to the school, it's going to be online only, I don't have any options, I don't want to go home. I'm going to be an NBA player. I'm going to be some sort of a professional athlete. I might as well just get out of this now and start training. I'm not going to finish my four years in college, so to speak. So what do I do? Let's just get going on being a pro athlete earlier. There might be a way that some of that this actually goes through. Well, and then my follow-up to that is how does, how does that work? Because if he's, if, if said person um, who will remain, remain nameless, I suppose, uh, is on an F1 visa, which is a student visa to come over and, study college if he's no longer in college and he's dropped out and is training for the nba i assume that he would then have to leave the country to continue that training is is that incorrect i think you'd have to go home until he figured out another way to be in the states legal or he'd have to leave the states so he could probably pop up into canada i believe that is what some people do sometimes um you could do mexico i guess if you live closer but if you're a six hour drive from the border in canada and you just got to go there and hang out a little bit until you get your paperwork resolved um, you can come back in and do something. I mean, these, these people are in the NBA through, you know, a bureaucratic process. I'm sure they could find a way to do it. But, like, this is stuff, you, unfortunately, that people are going to have to think about now. And it's, it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit, too. But, again, it, it's not just here. There are schools out in the West Coast, St. Mary's, Gonzaga. Um, I mean, just a lot of schools where there are international student athletes. Never mind international students. That's the bigger part of this conversation. But the focus here is on, obviously, athletics. But, um, it, it's everywhere. It's going to be everywhere. And again, at West Virginia, it's a lot of sports and a lot of the better performers, too. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize this is coming, but it's coming. And, and just to me, the question is, you know, is West Virginia online only or are those previously planned weeks at the end of the semester? Is that part of switching to online only? Because that's a big, big difference. And it's a yes or no question right now. They just don't have an answer to hopefully soon. I don't think it's too hard to answer, but it may be something they have to interpret right now because this is kind of new. And like you said, a lot of people we've talked to are just, I don't know, even basketball folks we've talked to who dealt with Shibwe's visa before weren't sure what his status would be because there are different types of statuses and different types of visas and it applies to different people. I've heard, I've had people tell me like, no, he's good. Um, whatever happened before fixed him up so he doesn't have to worry about this. I'm not sure that's true. That's true. And I'm not sure that they're sure that's true either. So a uh, giant question mark um, above a very big issue here. 
Do we want to switch to some good news today? I was going to say, let's go a uh, question mark that turned into an explanation, exclamation point, uh, and that was in basketball. Kedrian Johnson text you, call you. Are you guys in a text chain together? You just Google Hangouts? <laughs> How does that work? Uh, I'm not cool enough for that kind of stuff. Uh, like, you know, those kids, the kids these days are on, on Instagram, posting messages to each other and DMing each other. I, I am not cool enough for that. But I reached out to him just to get an update. I've been checking in with him every couple of weeks because he had told me back in the spring that his plan was to be in Morgantown in May. And then May came, and he told me that was no longer the case but never indicated whether that was due to the pandemic because obviously uh, online classes or classes had been canceled in-person school had been canceled, workouts were canceled, um, or if that were for some other reason. And things got murkier and murkier around the situation, making us feel like he might not make it. And I was told that it was not because of the pandemic, uh, his delay. Obviously, we saw the other recruits from the same class show up to campus, get ready for workouts. They're in Morgantown already, have been for a week or so. Um, But I checked with him again today, and he said he is packing and leaving Texas on Saturday to come to Morgantown. And um, he mentioned the July 20th workout date, which would be the new date as we – Found out over the weekend, West Virginia basketball pushed back their start day two weeks, which is from the 6th to the 20th. However, my understanding is he might have to wait a little bit longer just because he is making that travel. And he will not, the others have been tested and were tested last week for COVID 19 when they got to campus. He won't be tested until the 16th. Uh, he'll be tested next weekend. Uh, or not even after that. So he, he, I don't see any way. So what's that Thursday, you know, tested on the, the 16th at, he gets there the 12th tested on the 16th. I don't see a way that he is going to be practicing on the 20th. Um, so he might be Good a little work. bit delayed, but we'll see. I, that's just my assumption. Yeah. I haven't heard anything, but um, it, you know, you got to have a few days to kind of, to, to isolate once you get to town. So, but, but good news that he's making it because Last we heard, it was not as much of a certainty. But not on his part, though, right? There was some sort of a hang-up with actually validating his his graduation, I believe. It wasn't. It was just something that they had like not enough people to confirm stuff or, or his manpower there. He was good. It was just that it, he had to get the thumbs up. Is that right? I, I think it might have so. been through the eligibility center in the NCAA, too. I'm not sure. It could have been his school. It could have been the eligibility center. But it wasn't necessarily because he was a dummy, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to imply that. But, yeah, no, 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 no. Because I, I had not been given any indication that he had any issues with that uh, prior to this, but there was a hang-up somewhere along the line. And I know a lot of people think, hey, they're coming from junior college. All you got to do is graduate. That is not true. That is not, not, not true. You do have to graduate. You have to have uh, graduate in certain courses. You have to have a certain GPA to be able to play right away, or at least that's the way it was just a couple years ago. I don't believe that's changed. Um a uh, recent example of that was in football. Uh, Xavier Pegues, right? Mm-hmm. And then how you pronounce his last name? He came from junior college, was expected to contribute right away, and had to, had to, was forced to redshirt his first season on campus because his GPA coming from junior college was like a tenth below the NCAA mandated line to be eligible to play right away. So he could enroll at WVU but could not play until the following year. Let's go over Johnson 
Ben's arrival date. He gets here on the 11th. You have to quarantine for five days, and you do that. I'm assuming he's not from a hot spot. If it's a hot spot, I believe you have to do 14 days. Uh, the same will apply to Bob Huggins, too. He's in a part of Florida that I don't believe is a hot spot. If he were, he would have to quarantine for 14 days upon his return. But 11 plus 5 is 16. He could test in the 16th. That's within 72 hours, technically, of starting on the 20th. It could work for him. It's about the bare minimum of time, and it means everything goes smoothly, but it could mean that he makes it. Well, I, I think he might be coming from a hot spot. He's coming from Dallas, Texas, uh, just canceled the State Fair of Texas. Um, so it's not not the, the, the best spot to be coming from right now. But, yeah, that is the timeline that he gave me, was he gets there this weekend, the 11th or the 12th. He, is, he told me that he was getting – uh, yeah, I'm checking my text right now. Yeah, he says he's getting his test at WVU on the 16th. So um, that's kind of the timeline we're looking at here. We'll have to see how it goes. Basketball, one person previously tests positive. Four people Sunday are revealed, plus a staffer are revealed to test positive. Uh, the staffer is not Bob Huggins. I'm told again he's in Florida or has been in Florida. I think he's still there. Um, but they have to press pause for two weeks. I've told that three players were healthy and are either not positive or not in quarantine. So three out of 14, not a great can I, number. Can I interject here? I got a question for you. So you clarified it there. I didn't feel like it was clarified in the press release, and I was curious. So we had the release a week ago, or whatever it was, that said that one player had tested positive. And as you noted on this podcast last week, um, that was not part of the mandated testing from the school, but rather um, outside of it. And then the release that came out over the weekend stating that, and I'm quoting five men's basketball student athletes and one staff member have tested positive. Um, Again, it doesn't clarify, but I was curious, is that five basketball players on top of the one from last week? Or is it that five include that one? I mean, not that it makes that big of a difference, but I was thinking, holy cow, literally half the team has tested positive now if it's six. Five and one. Five and one is what I understood. The five that were released on Sunday were part of the university's testing and thus reporting. So six out of obviously not 13 because they don't have 13 scholars or players, and Johnson's not here. So six out of at most 11. And I believe Hmm. two more of the players were – put in the quarantine because they probably all hung out at some point. So um, again, they were left with just three players who were healthy is what I understand. So you really can't do a whole lot there. However, losing two weeks of strength and conditioning and then two weeks off of your, you know, your summer activities at this point of the off season is not what you want. Is it a big deal? You can debate that, I guess, but like if they want to get the best runway they can, they probably needed that. Um, I think, that was a bigger deal and bigger news because shutting down the workouts is significant. That's a roadblock, but four football players testing positive that brings that total to six, which is just the sum of basketball. We believe as we've just explained, but what's new about these four is that they were actually doing the workouts. So previously West Virginia had two players separately test positive one upon returning to the team. You had to pass a test to get in. That person did not test positive or negative. So he went in quarantine and a group of, I've heard not many people had a quarantine as well. A second person, negative test, works out, leaves, family trip, comes back, test positive, that person, and again, a number of players quarantine. So two out of, I think they said 133 tests was the number that Brown gave, something like that, 133, 134. 
which means that they're testing a couple of players twice, actually several players twice, because they don't have 134 players on the team. Uh, but only two out of 134 had tested positive. And more significantly, none of the players who quarantined from contact tracing had tested positive. So that's good. I, I don't want to say it's bad news, but different news is that four players who were working out tested positive. And they're now quarantining with, I believe, a larger number of players on contact tracing. So four is bigger than two, obviously, but the differentiating part here is that they were actually doing the workouts. And what they're trying to do is make sure you don't work out um, without anybody you're not around normally. So again, roommates, friends, you know, not necessarily by position, it's people that you're known to be around your social acquaintances. So perhaps it's all four from one group and that the contact tracing is a small group and no one's positive again. It could be four people from four different groups who have, you know, happen to be around together on a Saturday or something like that. It, who knows what it is, but the bigger number is more concerning because it could be a bigger number by extension here. Um, and you, you don't want to shut down football because you're so deep into this. More importantly, you're so close to July 13, which is when you start, you know, the formal activities, the in-person stuff where it's actually required now instead of voluntary. Voluntary, Chris, of course, in quotes. Correct. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to get concerning if the number keeps growing, like, especially as if it occurs later and later, because the the later it happens with basketball, you miss two weeks now, it, it, it it sucks, but it's not the end of the world because they're truly not going to hit the ground running and going off and doing a bunch of stuff, uh, and getting ready for their season. Their season doesn't even start for what, four months. So that's not a big deal, but Football is starting in less than two months. We are less than 60 days away from the start of the season, like a, an actual football game, assuming it starts on time, a, 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 an actual game. And so if, say, in two weeks, another 15, all of a sudden it goes from one to two to four to 14 in a couple of weeks, then you might have to shut down for two weeks and then you're back to, okay, now we got to get right back into it and hope for the best with only a few weeks left to go before the start of the season. So um, it, it can get concerning real fast. Let's circle back and tie a ribbon on this part of it with um, Kedrian Johnson. What do we expect here? We've seen productive junior college players just naturally hit a, a, a dead spot on the floor. Um, and just not be great their first year, typically take off in their second year. But he does seem like an accomplished player, and there's a fit for him. But I think there's a question as to where specifically he fits. But what do we think here? I think he's the type of playmaker that West Virginia really needs. Uh, one of those guys that can create his own shot, can get to the basket on his own. I'm not sure there were that many on the team last year. I mean, we saw McBride do it uh, a, a lot of times. Again, he's just a freshman, so there are times where he wasn't. Uh, he did it a lot more than most freshmen. Jermaine Haley was a guy, and a big reason why I, I felt that Haley should have been the starting point guard was because he could get to the basket and create, given his length and his size, and just kind of, uh, I don't want to say awkward movement, but he just just a very intelligent player that used his body well to get past guys. He wasn't the fastest, but got past guys, got to the rim, made plays. And that's kind of what Johnson is. Um, he is a little bit of a volume player at the junior college level. I think Huggins will try to rein that in a little bit, try to keep him from, you know, tossing up a bunch of threes and, and try to get him to go to the basket. Cause not only does he 
Does he do well getting close to the basket? But he knows how to pass. He averaged over five assists each of the last couple of years, and he is one heck of a free throw shooter. Um, I know this past season he shot 84 on, I believe, the year before that. He led the nation on uh, junior college uh, ranks in free throws made, uh, free throws attempted, free throws made. I don't believe in free throw percentage, but he was up towards 90%. And so if you ask me what was West Virginia missing last season, I would say somebody that can create their own shot, somebody that can get to the basket on their own, and somebody who can make free throws. And he fills all those spots. Now, he's got other holes in his game, but he can fill in areas where West Virginia is in a big need. Where does he play? Point guard. I would start, I would not shy away from starting him next to I don't maybe not starting. I think you got to kind of work him in. We'll see how he adjusts. But I, I don't hate the idea of having him next to McBride, and, and then like a a McNeil or something at the three. I don't hate that idea at all. I'd be shocked if he ever plays point guard. I'm told that he's a pure wing. He's going to be a guy who plays the two or another two guard on the floor with two other guards. Mm. I just think that they really, really like McKay and McBride in charge of the ball, and there's ways to keep them on the floor together, and there's ways to make sure that one of them is on the floor at all times um, because they can get enough other guard play around them. Or maybe, I mean, maybe he can bring the ball up, or maybe he can, you know, take a pass up top. And I mean, because kind of their they're one and two are interchangeable once it gets in the half court, that maybe a guy like Johnson could do that. But I don't think they, they want to burden him with anything like that right away, especially when they have two guys that they want to develop. Um, but he does kind of fit a mold. He, he's I mean, he's not like Sherman, I don't think, but like the way you're describing him kind of reminds you of Tad Sherman, who was also a prolific free throw shooter, but really good at getting his shot and was kind of a point guard because he had to be on his, on his junior college team. Frequently that happens. That's not bad. You get the experience, but once you get into college, it's totally different with how you have to run an offense and incorporate your other, other four teammates. And I don't know, I guess we'll see who's, who's right or wrong on this one here. Speaking of who's right or wrong, um, you have a hunch. I don't know if you have a crystal ball yet, but a hunch I do, I do on not. Trey Clark and perhaps a new and immediately eligible FBS transfer cornerback. This looks like it's happening. It's it's a code. You have to have like one of those readers from a Christmas story to understand what the heck is happening. But like, I think that there's enough smoke here that there might be fired. Does West Virginia have a new cornerback? Yeah, Trey Clark. Uh from Liberty, who has elected elected to transfer earlier this offseason. And he played, he started as a true freshman last year, as, as a freshman uh, for the Flames. He would be somebody that um, that I think could start at a lot of Power 5 programs, especially after seeing what he was able to do there. And almost immediately, West Virginia reached out. Uh, Ali Jennings and he are good friends from back in high school. They both come from the Richmond, Virginia area. Um, West Virginia's obviously been in touch. Again, like you said, kind of trying to follow the tea leaves on the Twitter, which can be very dangerous. But um, <laughs> as I, I told the story on our message board a, a month or so ago, I was talking to a college coach asking about another player and where he thought he was going to end up. And his response to me was literally, he said, I, my guess would be this school, school X. He, he said the name of the school. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah. Um, based on, he's been liking a lot of their stuff on Twitter and sharing a lot of their photos. And I was like, this, this is a college coach who is actively recruiting this player, telling me 
his vibe is that this kid is going to th- this one school because of how he's acting on Twitter. And unfortunately, with no in-person recruiting uh, and, and limitations on other types of recruiting, that's kind of what people have to go on. Not just me, not just other people who cover recruiting, but actual college coaches too. So it's something you have to look at. And if you look at it, uh, you got West Virginia coaches liking and favoriting everything that Trey Clark is posting. And Trey Clark went on Twitter on Tuesday afternoon and said, the next time I post something on social media, it'll be my next home. You know, saying that he's going to announce his commitment soon, uh, presumably. And again, Neil Brown liked it. Others favorited it. Um, Nick Troy Fortune came in and put a little gif under it with a little smiley face, a little wink, wink. And, and some other guys have made comments. So you're trying your best to do some detective work here, and it looks kind of positive to West Virginia. But asking around about it, um, it, it seems like it's West Virginia or Ole Miss. Those two are the schools being linked to him the most right now. Uh, Virginia Tech was always in there, a school that they probably, they probably could have had him out of high school but chose to wait. I don't know what their situation is with scholarships, but I know West Virginia and Ole Miss have been talked about with him a lot. He also posted on Twitter a message, maybe the 4th of July, but certainly over the weekend, almost like heaven, mm-hmm. which close enough to the lyric. Uh, here's the curveball. He was also considering Marshall when he was coming out of high school, which is in West Virginia. Oh, here you go. Stay tuned. Your Dakota ring is reading differently. I like it. A little it. bit too green, perhaps. I don't uh-huh. know. I would think he's going to be eligible right away. He and at least one other player at the same time, left Liberty and cited pretty much the, the culture and the environment there. Um, I'm reading from a, a Twitter statement of his from when he had decided to enter the transfer portal, but uh, he calls it the cultural incompetence within multiple levels of leadership. It does not line up with my code of ethics. Again, there are different ways you can win an appeal, and one of them is, I would say, a cultural incompetence within multiple levels of leadership that does not line up with your code of ethics. There's a way you can do that. Um, universities typically have to comply or play along, but if you've got proof or evidence that says your claims are legitimate, you're probably going to get a waiver right away. Um, then the question is, is he on scholarship? Because this is a constant Rubik's cube we work on. I don't even want to go down this road again, because I don't know where they're getting these scholarships from. They, they could be like feasting on them from years ahead that we don't even know about right now, but this is a scholarship athlete at a, a school that, I don't know, it's not the highest level of FBS. They were pretty good. But he was also wanted by other Division One schools back when he initially was recruited. I'm assuming he'll get a scholarship here, but we've seen them take scholarship athletes from other schools, Troy, Maryland, as walk-ons. So I don't know. I'm tired of this math. I'm tired of this question. But I guess we just wait and see on this one. I mean, it's possible that they don't even know right now. Let us get him here and figure it out later. Yeah, that seems to be the stance every time I ask about certain situations is – I don't know if we'll figure it out when all the numbers are right and, and when all the guys get here and then we'll determine it. Cause what's the point in saying this guy's got a scholarship if it ends up that, that guy never shows up. So I think um, personally, I believe it's going to be a scholarship. I don't think they have a choice here because as we've discussed and, and you kind of, uh, you wrote a story about not too long ago, it's a buyer's market uh, for colleges and not a lot of kids are getting a lot of opportunities but Clark seems like one of those guys who will have his choice of places to go. Maybe it's not 20 or 25 schools like he would have had like uh, just a handful of years ago had he entered the portal like this. But 
I think he has legitimate other options at the Power Five level. So it, it will be one that West Virginia will likely have to say, hey, you're going to be on scholarship and you'll be here. And um, yeah, I think he'll be eligible right away. The other, the other player from Liberty, uh, I believe there are more than just the two, but the other was another cornerback, Tavion Land, who mm-hmm. was a highly recruited player. And he also, you know, released a statement and said, said similar things. So I think they're both going to go with that angle. Land ended up at uh, Norfolk State, I believe. And he is eligible to play right away, from what I'm told, from down there in Norfolk. So um, I'd have to think Clark would, would get the same kind of waiver. I'm just thinking on my head here. Uh, uh, Bryce Brand, scholarship. We think he's walking on. Tyler Sumter, all-conference kicker, punter at Troy, walking on. In addition, Joseph Bolopatelli seems like a high upside guy. Scotty Young, I think a lot of people thought was one of the better safeties in the Pac-12, a starter, and a valuable player at different times at different positions. Here's a guy who started for, again, Liberty was pretty good. I mean, relative to the competition, Liberty was pretty good. That's quite a haul in the transfer market. It's not stars and five-star guys, but again, I don't, I don't think that West Virginia can bank on filling holes in the roster by getting, again, over and over and over, four-star guys, five-star guys in the transfer portal. You're not going to get a lot of luck there because the competition is pretty high, but these are beyond serviceable, and again, they fit because some of them are taking up scholarships. A couple of them have a lot of time left and perhaps even hidden years of eligibility. I'm, I'm sort of surprised here about how good they this it seems we'll see how when they play but just getting guys on here and not taking up a lot of space or a lot of air that's an art and they seem like they've painted quite a picture here yeah i think if i were to grade kind of this transfer i mean i don't this this transfer hall it's hard for me to kind of settle on a grade because i did first i didn't think they would get this many for all the reasons we were discussing here about the the limited numbers that they're getting quote creative with um but the talent they got, it, it just seems with each, each and every one of them are guys that should be able to contribute, if not start, right away. And But the one big miss, and it's one that I think was the biggest need from the very beginning, and they even said it was the biggest need, uh, or I don't think they ever clarified, you know, this is biggest, but it's a, they said back in December, this is what we want on the transfer market with this position as offensive tackle. It's the one spot they haven't gotten and obviously times were running out. I wrote a story a couple weeks ago about the options that were out there. They weren't very good, so I wasn't sure if they'd even add somebody. But um, B-plus maybe, again, uh, lots of great hauls, but I, I think offensive tackle was the biggest need, and, and they got nothing there. forgot about my boy Keon Wakefield too. Yeah. I'm high on him. I think he'll be all right. But, again, like a guy you want, a guy who was a scholarship player and he's walking on here and could work out too. Who knows? Uh, the thing now, Chris, of course, is watch out for international offensive tackles who are at a school that will have online-only classes in the fall and uh-huh. just scoop them up and bring them here. See? Again, always got to look under the covers and around the corners and try to find something here. Uh, let's talk about the future of our sports as we may or may not know them. Today seems to be like a, a, a D-Day for some conferences and some schools. Maybe canceling non-conference games or seasons. I believe the Patriot League on Tuesday wiped out their non-conference games. Some are all of it. I'll look it up in a second. You can fill air on that one. But perhaps the Ivy League is going to push back their fall sports into the spring. Um, a lot of people seem to think that could be the first domino and that for some reason these seven-figure executives and conferences and athletic departments are too scared to do something and are waiting 
for the Ivy League to stand up and do something because who was going to argue with the intellectuals of the Ivy League? It's not altogether a bad point. I just wonder why these people are in charge. They can't make a decision. But um, I think back to the day that Bob Bowlesby spoke with us in March, and I first opened my eyes to the fact that they may not play football uh, in the fall. It was so early, but it seemed like at that point it was so severe and significant that it had you know, a starch reality in some of these conference offices. And here we are so many months later. That seems like it's a, a good point. I mean, back then I was really worried. I said, if, I, if it doesn't happen, it's going to be because of a day like this. This is back in March. I wonder if today it's something like that, too, where if the league wipes out conference play or even the entire season and says, let's just go back and start over in the spring, um, do we see residual effects after this? Uh I have a million questions about spring football, uh, starting with would early enrollees for this 2021 class be eligible to play because they'd get there in January? Would they be eligible to play this year? Would that count towards their eligibility? Um, what about guys who are graduating in December? Do they have to stick around and take master's classes even if they weren't planning to? How does that affect the draft? How does that affect the 2021 season Like for the fall? Are, are we doing like February to April and then you get two months or three months off and then you're right back into it and prepping for the long haul of a regular 12, 13, 14 game season um, in the fall. That seems like a lot of football for, for some of these young men. And I think um, pushing that to the spring is, is difficult because there's obviously dominoes that come from that. You can't just, do it and then be like, all right, cool. That was one year. And then let's move back and go back to quote unquote normal with football. It, it's going to cause a lot of other things to happen, raise a lot of other questions and a lot of issues. And uh, I'm not sure there's answer to those right now. I think there's such a resistance to spring football that you're going to see people dig in and dig in and dig in. I mean, you could make an argument that canceling the season and starting again, whenever you pick it up, I mean, let's just say summer off-season conditioning, that might be better because it's certainly easier than playing the fall season in the spring and then trying to recycle and play again in the fall or completely redesign your sport to coexist around basketball and play in the spring. I'm assuming also overlapping some of the baseball season too, which are your three big revenue sports. You would kill revenue in some aspect of all three because people aren't going to want to or be able to attend all three sports and baseball's not even a revenue sport really it's it's one of the other ones that actually can in some places make money but you're just not going to see attendance at all three it's oh my gosh it's such a puzzle i don't know how you would do it but that does seem to be the issue that people have right now is we could have no football or we could play in the spring um i don't know i just there, there's so many i i can't even fathom the number of problems i have how do you do spring football <laughs> In the spring, you don't. Do you just wipe out spring football when your season is over? Because if you start, if you start in the spring, we're talking what? End of March, right? Right. You're going into July. Are you really going to be ready to go again in August or September? That's not safe at all. No. Like, how do you like? Like, clue me in on this. What am I missing here? How do you do this? Or can you even do this? You can't. You can't do a spring and then a fall back to back, right? No, you can't. I think that's the biggest. Yeah, forget the eligibility questions, like. Screw that. We'll get, somebody will figure but it out. It's fine. But significant, the, the, though. Significant. Because yeah. you're going to lose players to the NFL, too. They're just not going to play. If they're, if they, we're going to start in March, but might also be drafted in May. No, I'm not playing. Right. Oh, yeah. If I were a senior, if I were a senior and were you know, NFL draft, draftable senior, I wouldn't play. Period. Absolutely not. Like, I, I 
I I don't want to say it that sternly. I mean, maybe I'd have some, you know, obviously feelings for my team, for my teammates wanting to finish out my career. But that close, we already talk about guys sitting out the bowl game in January, December, um, uh, in fear of injuries or something that might affect their draft status or affect their year. What if you tear your ACL the Saturday before, it, you know, the second week of April and the draft is four days later, five days later on a Thursday? Like you're not getting drafted. You're screwed. You're done. Well, here's here's one. That's fine. I get that injuries. What if you just don't play well because you've had a screwed up offseason and you're just not in shape or you're not as good or your team isn't as good and your stock goes down because of a completely unique, untenable situation? Why would you play? Like why risk it? You could be healthy, just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put in C plus tape when I'm a B minus A minus player. I'm not doing that. Like I don't I don't even have a problem with that. Hey Mike. Can I, uh, I just got a text and it is very no. relevant. It, it, it's very relevant to something we were discussing early on the podcast. So I, I'm kind of okay. taking us, taking us off track of our current conversation, but back to where we were earlier. Uh, I just got a text from Jesse Chinchar, the head coach, head football coach at Clearwater Academy International. Uh, that is the program wow, in Clearwater, this. Florida. Flex. Who, um, <laughs> who is, uh, is coaching that program down there that has a lot of students that come from Canada, matriculate through high school there, and then go on to college. Uh, several have gone on to Power 5 programs, including several that West Virginia have offered and signed for 2021 defensive end Akeem Mesador. Uh, mm-hmm. We were discussing this F1 visa situation and how it might impact these players from Europe, uh, from Africa, what's going to happen there. And we had tried to find the answer about what about those from Canada? Uh, does this apply to them? According to Chinchar, yes, it does. Contrary to what we had found online. Um, he says that they do have F1 visas coming from the, the Canadian players that he has on his team, including Mesador, have F1 visas. Um, we have not discussed further about the impact of this rule, but... Uh, you're throwing in another large contingent, uh, not only in football, but basketball as well. And every other sport of players that you kind of have to uh, are, are kind of in this, what happens next uh, group because of this. So we did not actually talk about Canadian citizens. That's the big international population in the athletic department because different sports, uh, specifically women's soccer and uh Cross-country and track have a lot of Canadian student-athletes. Uh, Nikki is a brown. Sean Cleary have done very well that the years. Um, we didn't touch on that because we weren't sure. We were getting conflicting reports on that, that yes, you do, and no, you don't. I'm looking at the U.S. Embassy and Consulates in Canada website, and it says Canadian citizens do not need visas to study or participate in an exchange program in the U.S. Um, now, an exchange program is different than going to college. If you're an international student, you're going to need a visa. So I think that's the proper interpretation. I'm, I'm going to trust your friend there because it sounds like he certainly is on top of this, uh, perhaps more so than other people who should be are at the moment. So, um, yeah, so that's that's obviously Mesador, but Gabe Osaboyan's Canadian. Um, so who knows what happens with him, too. So, yeah, issues here. Again, things that have to be solved and, and quicker than than um, that perhaps is possible at this moment because there's so, so many things, again, that we just don't know, but Thank you, Chris. We can cross out one of the issues and move on to our final our final number here. Um, wrote on this on Tuesday on the website, Neil Brown's plans to somehow make sense of this season and preserve his roster as best as he can, and talks about 
splitting up practices. So having one practice with one group and one practice with another. And he says, hypothetically, he's not sure he's going to do this, but your first and third string offense against your second and fourth string defense, that could be practice A. And then your second and fourth string offense against your first and third string defense, that could be practice B. Um, basically because you don't want your top two receivers or running backs or defensive ends to get sick and be quarantined for two weeks. So you split them up and you might lose your first and your third, but at least you have your second. The trouble here is that how many teams have a fourth string and how good is that fourth string? You're not going to see a lot of third string positions filled out completely. And, you know, how do you do things like special teams? Because a lot of that is just cobbled together players who aren't contributing, but may have an ability to tackle or chase or block or do something like that. But maybe they're not a, a, a player who's in the first and third string group. Maybe he's a second string guy, but he's your first team, I don't know, gunner. He's your first team um, wedge buster, something like that. What do you do? I don't know how they do this. How do you rehearse field goals with just your first and third string, your second and fourth string pool of players? That's going to be really hard to do. Um, and we've seen they focus a ton on special teams. I pay more attention than I probably should, but it just seems so inadequate, so ineffective to have split practices like that. And to Brown's point, coaches better be in shape because they're going to be working out twice as much as they usually do. I love the idea of uh, assistants on a treadmill trying to get their cardio up before this starts. But also planning time. You know, if you're doing two two-hour practices a day, that's an hour more than normal than you might be on the field. I doubt they're going to do three-hour practices every day. It just doesn't make any sense. But you're losing an hour of prep. Um, you're going to have to do two sets of meetings before practice. So you're losing however long you would meet. So you could be losing three hours a day, five days a week in prep time. So you could be losing two full work days, seven and a half hour shifts of preparation time, which is going to really water down what you do on the field. All right, lot to lot to touch on there. So first, I think some of this was kind of sort of already happening or kind of already happens, the, the whole split squad um, situation, um, at least as far as like, you know, obviously ones going against twos, they do a lot. One, one First offense for second defense, first defense for second offense. I find it, I love the idea. Obviously, it's very smart to go first and third, second and fourth. So your first and second team, say running back or receiver don't get wiped out at the same time. Um, great way to, you know, kind of preserve at least going to a backup instead of your third or fourth stringer. But man, the special teams question, that's tough. Like I feel like you're going to have to kind of tighten, tighten the strings on who's going to play. Like maybe first teamers are going to be playing more special teams or, Special teams is going to be made up almost entirely of second string and fourth string. Uh, you get you you might have to make some mm -hmm. sacrifices somewhere because you really can't run the risk of having your first and second string of any position completely wiped out because of this. So yeah, it's, it it's going to be hard to build practice rosters and scout teams if you do it that way. Yeah, because there's there is no fourth team at a lot of these positions. There's none. Like not even. I'm not even talking like, yeah, it's a walk-on uh, that that's five foot eight and 180 pounds trying to play, you, you know, linebacker or something. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking there's quite literally not one there. Um, so I'm not sure how you get to that point. I don't. I mean, again, we're we're 
projecting here a little bit, but he said, if I knew what I was going to do, I would tell you, but let's just say one, three, two, four. And that's good. But like your first and third are probably going to blow up your second and fourth every day. That's, that's just the reality of the situation. Cause your first is going to have your best players. And then honestly, some players who aren't quite as good, but are still first team, which means your second team isn't going to be nearly as good as your first team probably is. And it just goes down from there. So that's going to be difficult. And then how effective is it? Like, what if you're, what if your second string guys are those, your third string guys those blowing out the fourth string guys or the, the tail end of your second string? All of a sudden, you're going to give your third team guys more playing time. What type of false equivalency is that? So it's, it's really tricky. I mean, again, I would love the paycheck. I would hate the work right now. I find myself saying that a whole bunch. But these things are, are so layered, and it's coming sooner than later, too. Like, they're going to have to get going here because um, that, that July 13th date, is 25 days for your lot to start practice. Those three weeks will go by fast. Um, and the next thing you know, it'll be August 7th. And Chris, you'll be there by yourself, but they'll have the first day of practice. And then they'll start to figure out what we have here and how do you get ready for a game, perhaps on September 5th. Who knows? But I was just thinking that in my head today. Like, it's one thing to say we'll meet differently and we'll have, you know, we'll split up our running back meetings, we'll split up our defensive line meetings. And if you want to, hey, you could have them outside. You could have them out in Mountaineer Field with a big scoreboard up. Heck, if you got that video board, in the practice facility, you could have 120 chairs in there and have a big team meeting. That's You can manage that stuff, but the practices, you're going to have to have practices. That's going to most directly affect how you perform on the field, and there's no easy, tidy, efficient way to do that. All right, Mike, special teams guru, are you, if you had to choose, are you making your first team pull double duty and you have to make your special teams out of all first stringers? Or are you going special teams are all second stringers to sacrificing a little bit on special teams to save your offensive defense first teamers? I thought a lot about this, which won't surprise you. <laughs> but I was thinking, too, you've been to practices. What happens? They, they stretch with everybody else. And then they go to, like, the practice field or the stadium. They go by themselves. And kickers are really good coaches for each other because they know it. And you'll see one kicker or one punter work with another one one snapper work with another one just because they can see uh, why'd that do that? Why did I do this? Oh, because of this. And they make quick fixes. You probably can't do that now. So that's unfortunate. Now you have special teams coaches. They can supplement that, but kickers are also in specialists are kind of like a tight knit group. You're going to have a group of, what do you think they probably have like 12 total specialists? Yeah. You know, long snappers, kickers, punters. So two sixes now, maybe. So that's, that's trouble. Um, so then I thought about like, what if you just designated like, listen, you're going to be a player who's probably not going to get in the field this season. Um, this is going to be our, our special team squad, which is a terrible idea because you just don't have enough numbers to do that. Like, you're not going to be like, listen, I got a group of 22 that's going to do all of our special teams. And let, maybe that's not even it because, again, you're talking kickers and snappers and holders and punters and all that stuff in there. So maybe you have a group of, like, 20 people who said this is going to be our special team squad. You don't have – 65 other players who can fill out your offense and defense adequately in practice too. So there's, there's no quick fix there. And I, I just think you're going to see, you're going to hope that your kickers and punters are good enough to be able to, you know, kick the ball through the end zone, make their field goals and punt the ball in the right spot because naturally coverage and blocking is just going to be bad this year. You're not going to have people who know how to block or tackle nearly as well as they should because special teams doesn't get repped a lot during the course of the regular season. I can't see a way it's repped much. I want to say if at all, that's probably not fair, but much, never mind near what it ordinarily is this year. Yeah, it could get interesting because obviously, like like we've been saying, you're going to have to kind of cut corners somewhere. And 
If you're going to cut corners, no offense to the third side of the ball, but that might be the spot to do it. Which means lots of two-point conversions, lots of going for it on fourth down, things like that. It could be a wild season. Uh, we can get done in another hour here after we wrap up. You ready? Yep. All right, 20 seconds. That's all for this time. We will see you next time for 24-7 Sports. I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. Got 15 seconds to talk about Novavax if you want to hear that. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't take a, a, a spike from you right now. All right, we'll talk to you next time.